Hey everyone, this is Carmen and Christina, and this is Historias Unknown, a podcast where we talk about Latin American history. Sometimes it's horrible and deals with heavy topics like racism, corruption, genocide, you know, the likes and such. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but more than that, it's also about resistance, power, and community. Um, yeah, and to uh, kick off 2023, I have a story that I honestly didn't know that it was going to go in this direction. So I will be telling you about a, a Mexican, some people refer to him as a dictator. Uh, <laughs> do you know anything about Santa Ana? Yeah, I know from that song from Molotov. Oh, yes. <laughs> The frijolero song. Like, if it wasn't for Santa Ana, no me digas frijolero, then Texas would be. I don't forget how they word it. Okay, I mean yes. So there's a little bit of okay. There's a lot of Santa Ana and chicle gum and the exploitation of gum and this involves like everything, uh, war, and time exploitation and yes, because it isn't that where gum comes from? Like didn't they? Yes. Yeah. Sapodilla trees. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yep. Okay, so I think you know a little bit about this. Then. Uh, well, that's about the extent. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't know about any of this. So a lot of this comes from Wikipedia. <laughs> no. Shout out to our, our source. Sorry, the Santa Ana portion uh-huh. of this comes from Wikipedia Makes sense. because it was the most <laughs> where I could just find everything in a row because this, this motherfucker did so much. Oh, <laughs> so much. And then the gum portion of this comes from a fascinating book that I found through an NPR article. So this book is called Chicle, the Chewing Gum of the Americas from the Ancient Maya to William Wrigley by Jennifer P. Matthews. It's a short book. It's only 160 pages. It was super cheap on Kindle. Highly recommend it. Fascinating book. I'm only using a portion of it's like from the third chapter is where a lot of my information is from the last two chapters. But it's a super short book and honestly, very fascinating. Who knew so much about gum? Uh, <laughs> I, I I would have never thought. Same, same. Um, I wish I had gum because I wanted to like... You wanted to do the Rosalia meme? Yes. No, I was going to hold a little gum. Like, what does this make you think of? With the little chiclets. Oh, the ones we use for Loteria. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I don't. I, didn't, I don't have any I gum. I think my so. idea would have been better. Okay, we need to recreate this when, <laughs> when I have gum and makeup on. <laughs> Actually, later, when you have gum, you record yourself doing it and send it to me. Okay. I never have gum. (laughs) (laughs) I only have gum when I'm driving. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, so gum or forms of gum have been used by people uh, for, you know, the longest of times. I mean, since the beginning of times, really. The commercialization of gum, that is relatively new in terms of history. In the Americas, um, indigenous people have been chewing gum for, you know, forever. Different trees uh, in like, you know, what we refer to as North America um, now, Mm -hmm, not mm -hmm. what it was called back then. In Mexico, in the Yucatan region, indigenous people chewed uh, chicle-based gum, which is very interesting because that's just what we call gum now. But that's not interesting. That's just what is used to make gum. Okay. Yeah. Well, now, not back then. So in the Yucatan region, their gum was chicle based and chicle is the milky latex of the sapodilla tree. And these trees were abundant in southern Mexico, Guatemala and Belize. So I think I think you know where this is going. Mm. Sadly. <laughs> um, <yes. laughs> 
yeah, because anytime somewhere is heavy in a resource, who who's going to be there to exploit it? There's a person of no color standing on the edge of the <laughs> horizon waiting to pounce. <laughs> yes, that's exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but but before we get there, uh, we need to talk a little bit about former Mexican president Santa Ana. Mm. Which seems so random, but you'll see when we get there. So I'm going to talk a lot about him because this is all going to get to gum at one point. And when it gets there, you'll realize what's going on. But we're going to take a journey through Santa Ana for just a little bit. And I did try to make this as short as possible because honestly, all the war stuff and like battles and shit is really boring to me. (laughs) Some of it. So, um, yeah, I made this as short as possible. And so here we go. Antonio de Pauda Maria Severino Lopez de Santa Ana. No. Y Perez de Lebron. No. I More commonly referred to. <laughs> oh, say it again. Antonio de Pauda Maria Severino Lopez de Santa Ana y Perez de Lebron. What the? More. That's his name. That's his full name. Uh, nobody uses that, though. Nobody uses his full name. He's most more commonly just referred to as Antonio de Santa Ana. So he was born in Jalapa, Veracruz, to a Criollo middle-class family. And Criollo just meant uh, pure Spanish. So uh, he, he was president for uh, five consecutive times. And by the end of his, like, career, 11 times he would be president oh. of Mexico. Hmm. Yeah. He is a man of many names. He calls himself, well, I, he called himself this more than anyone else, but the Napoleon of the West, which is not a good name I've heard to me. of that before. Yeah, it's not a, not goals. No. Yeah, but that was, that was his goal. He wanted to be Napoleon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, he was also known as the absentee president. It's also not good. <laughs> also not good. Yes. <laughs> and this uh, period of time in Mexico is often called the age of Santa Ana because he was that influential, Mm. that important. (laughs) So he started his career in the Spanish army fighting against Mexican rebels uh, during the war for independence. Uh, Toward the end of the war in in 1821, he switched sides. (laughs) Wow. He's like, I see where this is going. Let me uh, switch sides real quick. Yeah, yeah. Um, So another leader during the independence was Agustin de Iturbide, uh-huh. and he also switched sides. And he, uh, Santa Ana, fought under Agustin oh, de okay. Iturbide, who switched sides. Um, but yeah, they were just like, mm. <laughs> let's switch sides. <laughs> we don't want to be the losers. So they fought against the Spanish. Uh, Iturbide, Iturbide made him general in his army. And then in 1822, Iturbide put Santa Ana in charge of Veracruz and then removed him. And when he when Iturbide tried to remove Santa Ana from being in charge, Santa Ana raised a rebellion against Iturbide. Um, so basically, during this time, there was just a lot of rebellions, mm-hmm. a lot of fighting. And somehow Santa Ana was always in the middle of it. <laughs> it's like a Harry Potter. Yeah. Yeah. It's How like come uh, every time something's going wrong, whatever yeah. she says, it's always you three. <laughs> yeah. But in this case, it was always Santa Ana. Interesting. So. Here's a bigger, like, here's a list of when he was in office. (laughs) 
17 the uh, may 1833 to the 4th of june 1833 and then the 18th of june 1833 to the 5th of july 1833 and then and then october 1833 to december 1833 uh, so there was like wow that was all one year but yeah. all broken Different up stints. into months yeah mm-hmm. Uh, and then April 1834 to January 1835. Then March 1839 to July 1839. Then October 1841 to the following October 1842. Then March 1843 to November 1843. When does this end? Then June 1844 to September 1844. Uh, and then March 1847 to April 1847. And then... Um, that was like the beginning of april so april 2nd 1847 he left office apparently and then returned the 20th of may 1847 to september 1847 and then his last stint was the longest i think and that was the 20th of april 1853 to the 5th of august 1855 too much too much too much (laughs) what is going on here right um where are the term limits not right there yet i guess non-existent mm-hmm. mexico was mm-hmm. a hot ass mess uh, during this era it was their hot mess era mm-hmm. era i don't know anyway mm-hmm. no era mm-hmm. okay. <laughs> <laughs> so during his terms multiple terms as president plural <laughs> um he would often win some sort of battle rebellion that was happening then he would get into office and then leave like to go willingly? to his hacienda. Oh, yeah. and then yeah. lose power when he was gone at the hacienda. Uh-huh. And he'd put someone else in charge. Oh. And then, so there was like some historians have said like, okay, it seemed like he created problems or didn't prevent conflicts in order for him to swoop in into like battle and be uh, the hero again. Like That he, makes sense. He's out here scheming. Yeah, he lived for war, and if he wasn't in war, then he didn't want to be president. So he, like, he Man. wanted the title of hero, but he didn't want to deal with the politics yeah. of being the president, mm. even though he kept, I don't know, creating cir- circumstances in which he had to be president. Like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so amidst all this chaos, uh, Texas declared independence in 1836, and because he lived for battle, Santa Ana was there. He stormed Texas with an army. He ordered crops to be burned. He killed livestock. He shot prisoners. Prisoners that had surrendered under the pretense of, like, we're going to be freed later uh, and did not expect to be killed. Um, Not a good luck. (laughs) Yeah. So during the Battle of the Alamo... Never forget the Alamo. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Forgotten. Um, so he, they won. Mexico won this battle, but they were his his uh, forces were heavily wounded, and uh, Santa Ana failed his army. He you should didn't... play the clip of the song. <laughs> There's a song. No, the song from Molotov. Oh, I know, right? Like it's just like a <laughs> tiny clip. It's only one sentence. It's only one. Yeah, we'll see what. Where he says, "If it wasn't for Santa Ana, this would be Mexico." Yeah. <laughs> so, um. He didn't take enough medical, like, supplies, enforcements. There was no medical care for his army. There was not enough supplies. He basically set them up for failure. And then he decided to split his forces up after the Alamo, even though they were, like, gravely injured. And they barely won. 
you split them up. And so this gave Texas time to go, I don't know, gather more forces. Mm. Sam Houston <laughs> came back and overpowered the Mexican army and captured Santa Ana during the Battle of San Jacinto. Um, and this is like a big Texas pride thing. Yeah, they won, yeah. right? Mm. Yeah. So <laughs> Santa Ana was imprisoned. Uh, he was later released in 1837 and he returned to Veracruz. Uh, and shame because he he lost he Texas. lost yeah yes but then in 1838 there was the pastry war that's what it's nicknamed pastry. basically yeah yummy it's a uh, the French oh. <laughs> the French uh, were demanding or were saying that they weren't paid something by Mexico oh. French people living in Mexico and then French went in the, okay. the French went and invaded Mexico this broke out in Veracruz because Veracruz is a port city okay. So, and this is where Santa Ana is from. This is his home. Mm -hmm. And so he was given control of the army because even though he was a horrible president, he he knew how to win wars, except for the Battle of San Jacinto. (laughs) (laughs) He said, psych. Psych. Yeah, except for that one. So they gave him control of the army and he was instructed to defend Mexico under all means necessary. The battle didn't go in Mexico's favor. And during the retreat, Santa Ana was shot with the cannon and he lost one of his legs. Wow. Yeah. Although this battle was also lost, he was seen as a hero because of his lost leg. Right. And he even had like a full military funeral for his leg. (laughs) Okay. His leg was buried in a casket. That's interesting. It's weird. (laughs) Different. Yeah, this is going to come back. Um, <laughs> His leg and this casket. Anyway. I cannot foresee how. <laughs> <laughs> you will see. So <laughs> soon after this war, he was asked to step in as president because the current president at that time, Bustamante, his presidency was in pure chaos. Um, all Everything was chaos, though, honestly. The Mexico that he was, you know, to take over, to govern in the most basic of terms was a hot ass mess. And he tried to fix this by ruling with an iron fist. That never goes well. No, it doesn't. He decided to raise taxes to build up the empty treasury. This, of course, was met with resistance. Uh, Yucatan and Laredo both declared themselves independent. And Texas was also on the verge of, like, joining the United States. Oh, I thought it had already joined. <laughs> Whoops. No, I don't know. Apparently history. not. I thought it had too. I, I thought I was that like, after the minute. Alamo, I thought that yeah, was Texas. Apparently not. <laughs> so the situation was looking very grim. Not good. Not a good look for Santa Ana. And he fled Mexico. <laughs> Man. Yes. And on his way uh, to attempting to flee, he was captured by indigenous people still in Veracruz. He didn't even get to leave. Oh my God. And they exiled him to Cuba. <laughs> oh, wow. But during this mess of him trying to leave and him being captured, a mob unburied his leg that he left behind in the capital. And then they dragged it through the streets until like nothing was left of this bone. Oh, wow. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So, yeah, that's how his leg was going to come back. (laughs) But um, his journey with his legs are not over anyway. (laughs) The fuck? (laughs) So he was still in Cuba when the Mexican-American War broke out. This is the war where okay, okay. we lost or yes. they lost Texas and the United States gained it or right. whatever. Yeah. So 
Uh, this war broke out and a sneaky AF James Polk decided that um, he would bring back Santa Ana from his Cuban exile um, to negotiate a deal with Mexico. And this, of course, backfired because Santa Ana is also a sneaky bitch. <laughs> oh, he's like, two can play this game. Hey, this isn't the first time he's traded. He's gone back on a deal oh, and yeah. he switched That's armies. the first time he switched sides. <laughs> yeah so santa Ana agreed to this but when he got to mexico he joined the mexican army and led the fight against the united of course States. he did of course yeah so many battles took place um during one of these the united states army um they they took santa Ana's prosthetic leg and um as of 2016 this leg is apparently at that time i don't know if it's still there but it was in the illinois state military museum in springfield Wow, they would have that. They would have. They would, that. right? They, they would, would have it, it yeah. on display. Mm -hmm. Very American. Yeah, there was also a myth that baseball was created during this war using his prosthetic leg as a bat. Did you ever hear I that? I refuse to believe that. I, this is my first time hearing it, but that's okay. So it was fake. in the um. So our baseball episode. Sorry, the oh, Dodgers. Yeah. Stadium, um, Chavez Ravine episode. Um, it was in that book that they mentioned but it's a myth this is not true. not real okay but it's it was spread and it's like widely believed wow but they did have his leg that is a fact and it's mm. probably still in that museum i don't see the united states returning it <laughs> yeah so after losing this war santa Ana went into exile in uh, jamaica at some point he lived in colombia he was just moving wow, around he just goes really. everywhere yeah, yeah. And then in 1852, he returned to Mexico and somehow became president again in 1853. I'm surprised they even want him. Like, he lost so many times. Yes. I'm skipping a bunch of stuff as to how exactly okay. he became president I again see. because it was so much. That I was makes like, sense. No. I'm, no, I'm going to hit the main stuff. You're like, we're here to talk about gum. Yeah, yeah, this is going to get to gum at some point, I swear. <laughs> so he went into exile again in 1855 after selling some territories to the United States. This was like Texas, Texas, California, oh, okay, Nevada, okay. Arizona. Yeah, unless Texas was already part of the United States and this was the remaining. I don't know. I don't know the Something. timeline, obviously. Yeah, but this is this was the rest of the big chunk of states. We are not history majors. No, I well, I wanted to be a history major at one point. This um, is as but... close as you're getting a podcast about history. Yeah, yeah. So and for free. What? Okay. What? <laughs> After this, he left Mexico for a very long time, and finally, here this is where we're gonna reach where gum comes into play. Okay. So during his exile. Uh, or when he left Mexico, you know, during this period of time, he moved around. At some point, he lived in Staten, New York. Where hasn't he been? Oh, my God. Right? <laughs> so uh, he was in Staten, New York. And Santa Ana, he longed to return to Mexico with enough funds to raise an army and regain his presidency. That was like his goal. And at some point, <laughs> you just got to give it up. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, seriously. So uh, during this time, uh, he uh, he somehow it's unclear how this happened, but he met the uh, an American inventor named Thomas Adams. Not like I thought it was Thomas Edison at first. Oh. I was like, wow, wrong year. Wrong what Thomas. My problem. Oh, <laughs> I didn't even Thomas. think about the year. <laughs> and wrong year, too. Yeah. 
So I think the most plausible meeting between these two is that uh, the man that translated for Santa Ana when he was in New York, his name was Rudolph Napaji. He was friends with Thomas Adams and Adams um, saw Napaji. What a name. I don't know if I'm saying Sounds it right. Sounds like anyway. nepotism. <laughs> <laughs> so he saw him chewing gum made from the chicle wax or whatever it was. Whatever it was. And this was something regularly done in Mexico, especially, you know, in the Yucatan region where the tree mm-hmm. was abundant, but not in the U.S. So then Adams visited Santa Ana, who gave him a ton of chicle because Santa Ana was carrying a ton of chicle in hopes of giving it to Goodyear, the tires guy. Oh, to, to try and, I don't know, get money to fund his okay. army. So that's why he had all that chicle. And then this is how the chicle ended up in the hands of Adams. So Adams began working with the chicle to try and replace rubber. And he was unsuccessful, unsuccessful at first. And it seems, according to, you know, accounts that after some time, Santa Ana just like lost interest. He's like, this isn't going anywhere. Mm-hmm. So then um, he just stopped checking up on Adams. Like, where is this going? How are we doing? Where's my money? Mm -hmm. Are we making money yet? He stopped doing that. So meanwhile, Adams, uh, I mean, this is all over the course of a few years. So Adams was at the drugstore, his local drugstore, and he saw a little girl chewing paraffin wax gum. That's what gum was made of before chicle-based gum. So paraffin wax gum just sounds gross. It doesn't sound as nice as chicle. yeah. Yeah. So he remembered that he had seen Santa Ana's employee, Rudolph Napaji, chewing the chicle gum and that many people in Mexico chewed gum that was made of chicle. And he decided to use the abundant amount of chicle that he got from Santa Ana to make better gum. And this took off. So he made his first chicle-based gum in 1859. And in 1866, other U.S. gum manufacturers like Wrigley Gum, which is like the only one that's still around, mm-hmm. uh, I think. Um, there's more, what were they? Uh, Fleer Gum, Beech Nut Gum or whatever. Never heard of these. Yeah, me neither. Just Wrigley because of Juicy Fruit. So they joined in this chicle-based gum business, and it was booming. Uh, All these companies merged, and they created the American Chicle Company. Can you imagine them trying to say chicle? Chicle. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, yeah, I think so. Chicle. So, chicle. So all this was, while all this was occurring... While all this was occurring, wow, I can't, while <laughs> all this was happening, <laughs> while all this while, was occurring, <laughs> <laughs> while all this was going on, um, the man that introduced chicle gum, essentially introduced chicle gum to the United States was penniless and living in poverty. So what, what, what happened to him during this time then? He, well, he just went back to Mexico. He didn't check up on Adams. Oh, he went back to Mexico. Okay. Okay. And I mean, you think, I don't, I mean, no, no one's going to do this, but like, you know what? I got all the gum from, I got all the chicle from this man. Here are your royalties, something. Mm, No, he never did that. So Santa Ana returned to Mexico after there was a general amnesty announced in 1874 and he died in Ciudad Mexico in 1876. And again, these, these gum companies were making bank in 1866. Like they had Mm. time to find Santa Ana and like. Give him I mean, something. But did because... he ever even credit him, the other guy? No. No, he didn't. It was like very unknown that he was the one who introduced Chicle to them, mm-hmm. to Adams. 
So, I mean, that's like one layer to this story, right? The exploitation of this man who died in poverty after introducing chicle gum to Americans. Mm -hmm. But the other layer to this is the uh, exploitation of gum uh, of the land, I guess. So the chicle boom was taking place during another era of turmoil in Mexico. The Maya, they were fighting back against the Mexican government and the majority of Sapodilla trees were in their land. Mm. This, I mean, this is their land after all. So the Mexican Revolution made it even more difficult for these American companies to get the chicleros, the people who, you know, um, extracted the chicle from the trees to find them to work for them. Um, it was just it was difficult. They searched for other sources. So other trees in Guatemala and Belize. And, you know, they exploited that land too. good old capitalism. Oh, capitalism. Yeah. And it was in the capitalistic interest for Mexico to take the land of indigenous peoples of for these American companies. And in 1918, they uh, gave these foreign companies seven land grants in, uh, from the Yucatan region. This was not their land. To yeah. Do to with, give right? away. Yeah. And so uh, by the 1920s, the... <laughs> I mean, this is not a surprise either, but by the 1920s, the United States was the largest consumer of chicle. Importing, and this is a big number, um, 84,647,000. Does this sound like a number? Yeah, right? Sure. And so, yeah, 84,647,000 pounds of raw chicle annually, every year. And the average person was chewing 105 sticks of gum per year. That's way too much. Mm-hmm. In August 1929, indigenous Maya chicleros revolted against the terrible and inhumane working conditions in the chicle industry, and many of them were killed. Uh. This, of course, did not faze the rich American businessmen or the consumers of gum. I even doubt the consumers of gum heard of this. I was going to say, did they even know about it? Well, maybe. So at the time, the United States citizens, uh, um, their... Their thoughts of the workers, uh, they they thought they were primitive and backwards. Oh my God, of course. And the, you know, the New York Times even wrote to the following. Only a few of the Maya Indians understand Spanish and practically all of them are yeah, heathens. Yeah, because they have their own fucking language, you fucking dimwits. Yeah, they- <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, practically, practically all of them are heathens worshiping a three-headed god using the Catholic ritual and, and Spanish. And, <laughs> and you believe in 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 the sky daddy, like. And <laughs> what makes one you, more real than the other? Fucking that's ridiculous. What I'm saying, though, yeah, uh, using the Catholic ritual and the Spanish and Latin and Spanish and Latin words, which were taught to their ancestors by 16th century missionaries, the modern Mayas have degenerated far from their cultured ancestors. First of all, they're the same people. Um, so Okay, so up. which is it, though, right? Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck? Because look at them trying to say that the ancient Maya were better, but then talking shit about the Maya that are living there and exploiting mm. them. Like, yeah. What, what do you want? The Mexican government deployed the army to quell this rebellion. Of course they did. Because armies only serve the... Their only purpose is to um, serve the... Maintain um, the status quo. Yes, that's what I was... Yeah. So uh, by the 1930s, there were serious concerns with the extraction of gum and in the environment. So there was... um. Because they were trying to keep up with the demand of the United States gum. Mm-hmm. And then eventually Europe caught on a little bit. But this was still huge in the United States compared to everywhere else in the world. Mm. So 
they were trying to keep up with the demand. And so they were overtapping the uh, sapodia trees. And by the 1930s, 25% of all sapodia trees in Mexico were dead um, because of this. What percentage? 25% of all the sapodia trees in Mexico alone. And if this practice continued, if they continued doing what they were doing, sapodia trees were going to be completely gone by in 50 years after that. So by the 1980s. And, and this was in all of Latin America, everywhere they were doing this. Mm-hmm. Um, so Belize, Guatemala. Um, so then they started forming chicle cooperatives. So like joint farms to try and negotiate better pay for chicleros and like safer tapping practices for these trees. And instead of working with them, American companies began looking for synthetic means of making gum. Of course. Of course, and looking at other places to farm chicle and even start their own chicle plantations in the United States, which would take way too long anyway. Yeah. Anything to not pay people what they deserve. Mm-hmm. Um, also, the two world wars, World War One and World War Two, made the chicle gum like even bigger. Um, Wrigley, Wrigley gum, that guy marketed uh, gum as a way to help soldiers stay awake and Sounds ease headaches. Sounds like Coca-Cola. <laughs> How they use it to uh, give to the... They use the military to, like, push soda um, worldwide uh, Mm -hmm. as a symbol of America, blah, blah, blah. It's like the same story again and again with all these sources that are not found... Resources not found in the United States. and But they are found in Latin America. Mm -hmm. So gum was a standard issue for soldiers uh, during both wars. um, And then, you know, American gum usage was on the rise still but the demand it was too high for natural resources um mexico and guatemala both raised the price of chicle in an attempt to save the sapodilla trees of course and american companies didn't want to pay the prices but other countries did like japan uh japan is still the highest purchaser to this day of uh, the latex from the sapodilla trees in guatemala wow um so thank you japan (laughs) the united states no 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 thank you to you (laughs) Um, But by the 1970s, synthetic gum, they figured out how to do it. It was cheaper, faster, and machinery replaced chicleros. By 1980s, the natural chicle industry was essentially dead. Today, there are about 40 cooperatives that are still farming chicle safely as the demand for natural gum is so low, overtapping isn't an issue anymore, and the people that are buying the natural gum, they're paying a little fairer prices. I'm sure there might still be exploitation. But it's better than it was. It's better than it was. And these are farms that are working together. Mm -hmm. Um, But I just, I want to end this on this note because time and time and time again, we see American and foreign interests in natural resources in Latin America. And when this resource is nearly depleted, these companies leave leaving the people dependent on this business with nothing. Yes. Um, we yes. saw this. Yeah. We saw this in El Salvador and Guatemala with Indigo, um, then coffee, then uh, places like Mexico, uh, Henneken. Have you mm-hmm. seen the yeah. abandoned um, towns, basically? Yeah. Um, and mines, mines. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's another one. And these, this is all in Latin America, right? Um, Chicle, with this episode of Recovering Chicle, yeah. right? And we can see it today play out in real fucking time with what carbon? Do you know what? Well, you already said coffee. No, this is like the new, the new thing. Tourism. Oh, I was going to say gasoline. (laughs) 
I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna cut that out. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but yes, that was the um, history of Santa Ana. How he was exploited out of the gum that he introduced to the United States and the expo- exploitation of, you know, sapulia trees and chicle and yeah, all that. Wow. Well, I for one am not shocked, but surprised that there's so much to know about this. Yeah. I honestly didn't know there was going to be so much. I was going to cover so much about Santa Ana. (laughs) That was a wild ride for sure. I can't believe his full name. Yeah, that was insane. Yeah. I'm glad, I guess, to hear, though, that now the state of natural chicle is not so bad. But of course, like you said, to tell us all this time about the United States exploiting. Yeah. And, you know, I think the worst part is because then these places become dependent on this work and then the work disappears. And it's like, okay, well, you caused this to be the only job in the area. What now? Well, yeah. And then they get mad that people immigrate here from Latin America. And it's like you caused the um, economic um, circumstances. Circumstances. Yeah. I was going to say misfortunes, but that's like, you know, not enough. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they caused the state of uh, Latin America in a lot of places. Yeah. Destabilization and whatnot in a lot of political, economic. (laughs) Yeah. And everything that has ever been done that's horrible has always been done to, like, please the United States. Yeah. And, and, you know, capitalists in the United States. So, yeah, like, if they're not, like, directly involved, they're, like, involved through the, like, economically, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I hope that uh, you enjoyed this episode. Do you have anything to add before we go? Um, I don't think so. Okay, okay. Uh, don't forget that you can support the podcast by joining our premium feed where eventually there will be bonus episodes. I haven't done those yet, but <laughs> one day. Um, and it's like, I think it's like $3 a month. I don't remember anymore, but... <laughs> Yeah, but that's LinkedIn. what we said, I'm pretty sure. Okay, okay. It's linked in the show notes, so that's the way to support the show. Um, leave us a rating. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you, All then, right. everyone, for listening. Yeah. And um, send this to your chicle-loving friend. Send this we to Rosalia. You. Send, <laughs> send this to Rosalia, yeah. <laughs> um, we'll catch you next time. Bye. Bye.